This episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by our friends at Fansets. See their incredible array of officially licensed Star Trek pins and collectibles at fansets.com and stay tuned for a special discount code just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. We are Star Trek. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. from Granite State Comic Con in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. It is the first ever live recording of Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek. Thank you all for being here. Yay! We're very excited to be doing this today. We're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 1 and then also talk about what could be coming in Season 2. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and joining me, as he always does each and every week, is the host of Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery companion, the lovely and talented Dan Davidson. Well, thank you, thank you. It is great to be here. And I would say I'm just the co-host because I can't do it without you, Bill. I, and I, I wish now that I've passed you the 20, uh, <laughs> we can continue on. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting to be here with our, our lovely audience out, out there to talk Star Trek Discovery. Of course, as everyone knows, we had a great season one. We have a fantastic season two uh, coming up. We got to uh, meet some of the folks from Discovery yesterday here at Granite State Comic Con, and uh, uh, we are looking forward to uh, to talking about it here on our very first live podcast to be recorded and dropped at a later time. So it's really not live when you think of it if you're listening to it on the internet, kind of. You're just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Happy Days. You know, at the beginning where they say recorded live before a studio audience? Yes. That's kind of the situation we're in, and we're so excited that everybody's here. I just want to... Break into like that background music Happy Day song now. Never mind. No, don't do that. <laughs> what you can do is regale everybody with the contact info for those listening at home. I would be happy to do that. It is so easy to get in touch with us, Bill. Just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you're going to find a variety of ways to get in touch with Bill, with me, or maybe with both of us at the very same time. You can leave us a voicemail, you can Skype chat us, you can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message, or you can even click on the big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own voice using SpeakPipe. <laughs> and yes, I told you I was going to change that comment. Voice message. <laughs> and also don't forget, uh, the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Facebook group Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join over 1,000 other friends to talk all things Trek. And don't forget, every Friday, it is the Friday Commute Celebration where Bill and I will do a weekly lip sync, especially for our campers. So to join the group, just head right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer 
and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we thank our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. But Bill, I do have to tell you that any comments or messages that people leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to you. Thank you, Dan. That was fantastic. Before we get going today, because we do have a live audience, we just want to throw out a couple of questions, and you can either speak audibly or raise your hand or whatever you feel comfortable doing. How many people in the room have actually seen Star Trek Discovery Season 1? Okay, so that's pretty great. Good. Spoilers. Spo- yeah. <laughs> so, for those of you who haven't seen it, Beth... <laughs> We will be talking about things that actually happened during the season, so there are spoilers. So for the vast majority of you, you're all set. For those of you that have not seen it yet, you might want to run and hide and maybe binge watch season one before you listen to uh, this podcast, which will drop in the Trek Geeks feed. So for those of you who have seen season one, how many of you are looking forward to season two? Okay. Excellent. That's a good answer. Good answer. We're pretty much even. That's fantastic. I like that. It's, uh, I'm very excited by that. Dan, one of the, the big things that, that I was most excited by with Discovery were the character arcs. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about those first. Okay. Season one. Good, good. Um, it seems like each of the major characters had their own little either giant arc, if you're talking about Michael Burnham, or perhaps a much smaller arc if you're talking about somebody like, I don't know, um, Phil- Saru. Philippa Georgia? Philippa Because Georgia. her arc kind of got cut off like in the first episode a little bit <laughs> kind of a little bit but then it kind of resumed in a way later on down the road yeah so as you consider the various character arcs and we'll probably save burnham for a separate discussion okay which of the other characters do you think had the most interesting arc for me personally i think it was sylvia tilly okay uh why because when we first got introduced to her she was this nervous cadet who talked too much and snored and drooled which helped Burnham actually in, in one episode. So, so she was, was like you. Good. Yeah, she's a little bit yeah. like me. Um, but we saw her character grow in such an amazing way. One of the things that stood out to me was the episode where they were going to the Glen, and she pretty much took over and was uh, yelling for the Klingon to come out of the shadows. And you wouldn't expect that from someone who seems to be as nervous as she was the first time that we met her. And as the show progressed through that 15-episode season, she became a stronger character. We got to see a lot more about her character as a character does that make sense yeah okay and um which is amazing for you it is you know i I, i've been reading and i think that her arc was one of the most obvious and enjoyable for me i think that the thing that is the most enjoyable about tilly is that she kind of embodies the audience to Mm -hmm. some extent Mm -hmm. you know in that position we may be very much like tilly but she also found greatness within herself yes at the moments where it was needed Mm -hmm. and much like you, finding greatness within yourself when you get behind a microphone. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's fantastic. What I think is good about it, you, you just said it, she embodies the audience. I mean, she's a nervous she's a nervous youngster dropping the first F-bomb in Star Trek history. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's sitting in her quarters telling Burnham how important it is for her to open Giorgio's uh, will and testament container. Yeah, because she needs to be able to have that closure and move on and so forth. And I, I think that was a great way to show the complexity and the innocence of Tilly at the same time. I think that as far as character arcs, there's kind of two that compete for me as, as far as the ones that I find the most interesting. And the first one I'm going to say is probably Ash Tyler slash Voke slash Ash Tyler slash Voke. Kalish! Kalish! Uh, slash <laughs> Ash Tyler. Um, because the way Shazad Latif portrayed both parts and the way they wound up converging, 
as as facets of of an individual, I think was absolutely fascinating. It, it was fascinating, and it was it's amazing that at the beginning of the season, a lot of people talked about what they thought was happening, what they thought was going on, and people were like, "Oh." Ash Tyler's Volk. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, but the audience is smart. And the way that he was able to portray both characters in such a separate way, but then when you found out that they were one and the same person, the way that it made sense, how they blended together a little bit, I thought was really a testament to Shazad's acting performance. And I got to say, props to the uh, makeup department, because as I've been rewatching Discovery over the last two weeks, I've been watching very closely every scene with Vogue to see if there's any recognition of Shazad in any way, shape, or form, and there isn't. It is no. there's no way you can tell that it's Shazad Latif under that makeup. I I I appreciate sort of the transition from Tyler to Vogue, especially that scene in uh, on the planet Harlack. Mm-hmm. You know where he freaks out after hearing himself, which is kind of neat. Yes, um, and I thought that the characterization after that, where he attempts to kill Burnham, spoiler alert, Beth. <laughs> um, was was just incredible. Yes, it was. Now, paired with that, I find the journey of Laurel to be really interesting because there's a lot of mystery about her, especially when she shows up with the magic gloves to yes. sort of you know, heal the mm-hmm. sort of Tyler Vogue right. problem. I forgot about that. Will. I know, right? Wow. The magic gloves. Yes. Now, I will say that m- my strongest criticism of season one of Star Trek Discovery is the fact that Tyler being Voke and Voke being Tyler was the worst kept secret mm. in all of Hollywood last year. Yes, I think there were a couple of other worst, worst kept secrets in the season, which we'll get into later, but that definitely is one of them. I mean, fake IMDb character names or actor names, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Star Trek fans are smart, unlike some Star Trek podcast hosts that I'm sitting with. But um, they figured it out right away, and uh, kudos to them, because... I don't remember. Did we actually talk about whether we thought that was the fact before it actually happened? I think we did. We did, and we kept saying it in the, in the context of, we hope that's not what yeah, it is. that's right. Because that's really obvious. Right. But it wound up being what it was. I, I thought the way in which they revealed it was better than I anticipated. I would agree with that. Okay. Wholeheartedly. Let's move on to Saru for a second, because oh. you and I love Saru. Love Saru. Um, it's a character that has really grown on a lot of people, especially those that have had challenges with anxiety. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Saru is part of a prey species. He um, it lives in constant fear, and that resonates with a lot of people. And that's something that I found fascinating in much the same way that Spock fascinated a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the Spock of Discovery. He's the Odo of Discovery. Uh, perhaps uh, even, oh, I don't know, the Data of Discovery. There's always that one character um, that stands out. Unbelievable uh, performance by Doug Jones portraying Saru, and he does have those qualities that a lot of people, myself included, can attribute to uh, with uh, with fear and anxiety and 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 things like that. And his arc was maybe a very very close second for me to Tilly's. Um, the whole. Um, the whole episode on the planet uh, Pavo. Pavo, thank you. I knew it began with a P. Thanks for helping, Beth. Um, Great job, Beth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was a very eye-opening episode into what Saru's way of thinking is. Um, and I, I, I can't wait to see how, how his character continues this season and in the short tracks that we understand are happening. And Doug actually brought that up while we were talking he to did. him yesterday. Absolutely. So I'm very excited about that. 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Season 2 later, but we do know that we're going to see Saru's homeworld in Season 2, which I think is very exciting. I'm very excited because one of the things I've said before on Discovering Trek is I'd like to find out what this hunter species on his planet is because, as we saw in that Pavo episode, Pavo. <laughs> Pavo, um, he's pretty badass, and uh, he's nobody to be messed with. And if he's the prey, I'm a little worried about what the hunter species is like. So it'll be interesting if we can see that. I agree with you. Uh, moving on, I, I do want to talk lastly about the Stamets-Culber character arc. Because Paul Stamets starts off as a very rigid, very uptight jerk. Okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fair. He starts off as kind of a jerk. And through his experiences in the mycelial network, yes, he has a complete sea change. Mm-hmm. You know, He becomes a guy that is much more introspective, a guy who is much more thoughtful. And it's interesting to see how that has a long-term effect on the character. I would like you to go through the mycelium network, Bill. You think that would help? You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. We get to see that. That's, I mean, one of the things that I love so much about Discovery is not only is it, an, is it a series that's in an arc of itself, each character has this own, their own individual arc, and they're done in ways that... I don't know if this makes sense, but it doesn't take away from the other characters' arcs that are going on, which is a testament to the writing of the folks in the in the writers' room. Um, and and Stamets is certainly no different. Again, as I've said three times already today, brilliantly portrayed by Anthony Rapp, and we get to see and we get to see what it's like for him to have this change by being part of the network, but also the change of what happens with Culber. Which is pretty, I mean, that's life-changing, obviously, but we get to see how that affects him at the same time that he's being affected by the mycelial network. So he's got kind of a double arc going on. He does. It's like a McDonald's arches, if you think about it. No? Anyone? Anyone? No? Nothing? Wow. I'm doing the clap signal and nobody's clapping. That That was a bad joke. That should tell you something. (laughs) That really should. Sorry. And I have to apologize to everybody in the room that's getting exposed to this live. Because normally this is recorded and we get to edit it out. (laughs) Um, It's the dangers of live. You know, things you should never see made. Sausage, legislation, and Trek geeks. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. So I think the other fascinating thing about Stamets' journey is that he's experienced an incredible loss. And it's something we didn't get to delve too much into in the season one. We know that there's some of that coming in season two, mm-hmm. but this is something that's going to inform that character in season two and beyond. Another brilliant facet of the writing for Discovery is we have a character who was killed in season one, but he's playing a major role in season two by what hi Batman by what we've been seeing uh, in. In interviews and in in um, discussions, like <laughs> <By> Batman <laughs> with Mr. Cruz, so it'll be great to see him. Um, you know, there's all kinds of questions right now. Is he going to be coming back in season two? Is he going to be just in flashbacks? Is he going to be part of the network? But he's going to play a major role, and it's going to be interesting to see how this role in season two affects that arc of Stamets. So let's move on to Michael Burnham. Because honestly, she has the largest arc. I mean, the, ser- the series is her arc, for example. You know, it, it's been an arc of redemption. It's been an arc of some uncertainty, because she starts off in one place, winds up in jail, winds up on a starship, winds up ending the Klingon War, 
And after starting it, after starting it, which I don't agree with, which I don't agree with either, because she didn't necessarily start it. No, it was a series of events that uh, that was rather unfortunate. But she gets her life back, for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. Should she have? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna before I get into my answer to that. Anybody who's listened to the show likes to know that I like to bring up my wife Sue, and we were watching uh, some Discovery last week, and she just has a really hard time with how everybody treats Burnham as the person who quote started the war. She didn't start the war. The war was going to happen no matter what she did or didn't right. do, and the way that people in Starfleet treat her as a result of the war has never made sense to Sue, and I got to agree with her. It just it just is one of the things that I'm a little like eh. When it comes to when it comes to what happens with Burnham, but I do agree, she goes through a tremendous arc. One of the arcs that I like the best, Bill, about her character is the arc of her humanity, because at the beginning of the series and in the flashback, she's very Vulcan. She holds her hands, you know, like this at the academy, and she's very Vulcan-like, and you don't see any emotion through her. And as the series progresses, you start to see that. You start to see tears in her eyes. You see her reacting. Um, without thinking a lot of times, which is something that Vulcans don't normally do. So for her to, for us to see her humanity start to show as a result of her being um, sentenced to life imprisonment for mutiny, and then the events that take place on the Discovery is very fascinating for me. And and again, as I've come to, amazingly portrayed by Sneakwell. Absolutely. I mean, I think she's been a real joy as a part of this show. I think she's an absolute asset to fandom, mm -hmm. uh, just as a person. But I think the thing that gets me most about Burnham is that, for me, she is the Spock character yes. in this first season of Discovery. True. Good point. Because she's discovering her humanity because she's been so detached from it for her entire life. Ever since the bombing of the school and ever since she was raised by Sarek and Amanda. You know, this is it's been a foreign concept to her. And, and this entire first season is her discovering how to operate within those parameters. You know, if you take uh, episode eight, no, seven or eight, the magic to make the sanest man go mad, the the second Harry Mudd episode where they're jumping through time. Brilliant. Episode. Um, fantastic episode. She learns a lot about herself, and, and we learn a lot about her, mm -hmm. especially the fact that she's never been in love. And that explains so much about Michael Burnham and her, her upbringing and, and the way Sarek and Amanda raised her. And by the time she gets to the end of the series, sorry, the end of the season, she is a much more realized character as far as she, her humanity goes. So in that aspect, to me, she's the Spock or the Odo or the Data. I can agree with that. Um, I never really thought of it like that. I always thought of the outcast character a little bit as being the Spock character, but I agree with that. I also have to say, in regards to uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad, and I will come up with just the initials of that title at some point because it'll make it a lot easier, but I'm not going to try that right now. The scene with her dancing with Stamets is probably the most tender moment of the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, of the season, I should say. Um, so I really I really do, do like that. Um, I got a question for the audience because this is a question that I – well, this is something that I realized as I was watching the season. How many of you thought that the bombing was done by Klingons originally at her school? Because I had thought that for some reason. And then when I found out it was actually Vulcans, I was shocked. Very, very shocked. Just a little side tidbit there. Were you shocked? I was a little shocked. Okay. Thank yeah. you for that. Like when you do something intelligent. I'm going to do that right now, because Excellent. speaking of the audience, we're going to give away the first of three sets of fan sets pins what? provided by our wonderful sponsor, something we're very excited about. Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. Yeah. Woo! 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 
We love their product. They are an amazing group of people, and uh, we are so proud to be associated with them, both on Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek. And we figured the best way to give this away was to ask you a trivia question about Star Trek Discovery Season 1. Best? <laughs> now, this is not going to be like Stump the Geek, where we purposefully try to make Dan's head explode, because we want people to leave with these pins. Oh, I thought you were going to say you want Dan's head to explode. I do want that on a pretty frequent basis. So I'm going to ask a question, and then you all can raise your hand, and then Dan's going to figure out who raised their hand first, and then we'll ask you things like who you are, where you're from, and then ask you the question. Or you can give us the answer. So the question is this. <laughs> I think we're being... <laughs> Hello. Hello. Luke, I am your father. Wait, hey, crossing the streets. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So the question for this set, and Dan, we're going to give away the Klingon set. Klingons. You want to tell us which pins are involved in that sure. set? Sure. In the Klingon set, we got a little mix... I wouldn't say mix-up as in mix-up bad, but a mix-up, like we're mixing it up, okay? We've got Takuvma. Do we have Takuvma? Yeah, there he is. We've got Takuvma. We have Laurel. We've got Cole. We've got... Admiral Cornwell, Cornwell, because she was captured by the Klingons. See what I did there? And we also have Ash Tyler, because Ash Tyler, anyone? Hello? Beth? Thank you, Beth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is this. We mentioned Laurel just a second ago. And please raise your hand. Don't shout out the answer. Which Klingon house does Laurel belong to? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. Oh, okay. Here we go. We have someone now. You can either do one of two things. You can project your answer, or you can come right up and speak into the microphone. Come on. So first... Project my answer? Okay, okay, that's good. What's your name? Michelle. Michelle, and where are you from? Connecticut. 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 Excellent. So which house is Laurel from? Okay. That is correct. That is correct. Come on up and grab your pins now. Here's something that's a little interesting. We could have taken one of two answers uh, for right. for she that, was in both of them. and what she was the other one? I don't remember the. Other oh, one. okay. You have to sit down. And go, no, yeah, no pins. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That would be this house whole set right there. Is all Thank yours? You. House Takuma, Takuma. Mokai, absolutely correct. Um, congratulations. You. Enjoy your pins. Oh. Don't take all of them. I don't take all of them. <laughs> now she's stealing stuff. I am. <laughs> absolutely correct. And, right. and that was something that um, Laurel pointed out that she was of two houses, so she had kind of a uh, interesting uh, upbringing. As a result of being of two houses. So, oh, congratulations, certainly. Michelle. Yeah. We had a awesome. very pleasant conversation with yesterday in line with, with Doug, Doug Jones. Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to be giving away two more sets of pins. We have a Starfleet crew set and a ship's set. I had to say that very carefully. Let's make, let's, let us let me ask you for a rule. Yeah. Is Michelle eligible for the other ones? Well, we're going to try to spread it out. Ah. So, uh-huh. because, you know, with the dozens we have here. I know Beth is chomping at the bit to answer some trivia questions. I know. You beat Beth by only a millisecond. <laughs> I know, it really was. And maybe next time. Keep hope alive. Uh, So as we move on, Dan, there were a lot of shocking moments in season one. We're going to talk about some of those now. Uh, The first of which was Star Trek was actually back on television, which is actually kind of shocking. Uh. But um, uh, if we run through these in some kind of order, I think the first one is probably the death of Philippa Giorgio. Because when you have Michelle Yeoh in a cast, I expect that she's going to be around for a while. Well... That's something that we've struggled with as people who watch television for several years now. No character is safe. Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, any of these shows, any of these characters that we grow to love can just be taken away very quickly. And that certainly was the case with Philippa Giorgio um, 
and Michelle Yeoh, like you're right. She's you know she's in movies that have been nominated for Academy Awards, and she's she's very famous. She's and a legend, a legend in Hollywood, and boom, Batleth or whatever it is that he was using right through the chest, right in that second episode. One of those did that just happen moments, and it started right at the beginning of the series. That was that was really something. I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of bummed about that because I liked the captain that Philippa Georgiou was turning out to be. Mm-hmm. She had some sarcasm. She had, you know, she was very, in my mind, she was like Jean-Luc Picard with a little bit of sarcasm about her. And more hair. <laughs> and more hair. Mm-hmm. We may talk about that a little bit later on. Oh. But um, I, I felt that loss even as early as season two because of how well the character was written. That was the first time that we saw that um, human aspect of of Burnham in a very profound way. I mean, she'd been on board the ship for, I believe, nine years or seven, one or the other. And... That reaction that she had when she was being back aboard the Shenzhou without the captain's body was a very powerful moment uh, for Discovery and for Burnham. But yeah, losing Giorgio so fast was quick. Uh, so fast was quick. Uh, so fast was was, was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, for me, it wasn't the biggest oblique moment of the series, which we'll get to afterwards, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for bleeping yourself yes. uh, ahead of time uh, because <laughs> it saves the host work. Um, and I really appreciate my that. pleasure. I um I was glad that we get to see some of Philippa Giorgio in a very different way later on down the road in in season one when she we discover she's the emperor and honestly who else were you going to have as the emperor exactly it had to be a character we've already seen yep um, it wasn't going to be Connor because you know he dies every time he shows up. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we talked to Sam Bartholomeos yesterday and uh, within. Uh, 30 seconds of seeing him dance says, Bill, you got to hurry up and get your stuff signed because Sam's going to be dead in about two minutes. <laughs> yes? Yeah. Okay, I'll thank you. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> You're just fishing for compliments. That's fantastic. Um, but I did like the turn of events where we discovered that Giorgio is the Empress. Yes. I, I liked a lot of the aspects of that character of the Empress, but at the same time, there were things that I didn't like about what happened with the Empress, which we can get into. No, you can get into it now. I, was, I did one of the things that we. Well, it actually, I guess it goes towards Burnham's character arc, as she's becoming more human and she's acting more impulsively. I think one of the biggest mistakes she did was grab onto the Emperor when she was beaming back aboard the Discovery before yeah. they came back to the our universe, the Prime Universe. That is going to have ramifications. I think that are, we're going to see throughout the rest of Discovery because of what we saw in the finale in Section Thirty One. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. Section 31, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I don't know. I think I think people... I can't disagree with some of the people that were like, oh, of course it's got to be Giorgio's the Empress, or the Emperor, however you want to call it. Um, were they stereotyping it because Hoshi was the first Empress of the Mirror Universe, or were they stereotyping it because, oh, of course it has to be the person that Burnham was closest to in the Prime Universe, so they have to, you know, it's, it's very... Um, uh, it's something that everybody knew was going to happen, that type of thing. But even with those questions being asked by some fans, not not me per se, I think that the character was acted in a way by Michelle that really gave her character teeth and dimension that sometimes we don't always see with mirror universe characters. And I think that's probably one of the... the the starkest changes with regard to it, because that's really the next one on the list is the Mirror Universe. You're a total Mirror Universe fanboy. Mm -hmm. You're unapologetic about it. No. It is one of your favorite aspects of Star Trek. Yes. And when you found out that there was going to be a Mirror component to this season, what sound did you make? 
That's actually 100% true. He made that sound in the car. And it was pretty deafening. Yeah. So, as the Mirror Universe fanboy, I mean, you love all the Deep Space Nine episodes. Mm-hmm. You love the TOS episode. Uh, well, almost all of them. Yeah. How did this Mirror Universe set of episodes resonate with you? One of the things that I think is interesting about as we've seen the Mirror Universe and now with Discovery is putting in my mind where it actually takes place in the timeline. I mean, we've seen the TOS episode, and then we've seen the DS9 episodes, which take place, of course, after TOS and and the whole different alliances that are taking place there with the Klingons and Cardassians, whereas in the TOS, it's the Terrans that are running everything. And with this one, of course, we have this problem anyway, not problem, but with the technology advances of the real world, all of the things that we see on screen look more like it would be 24th century than 22nd century or 20, early 23rd. So putting them in line correctly sometimes is a challenge even for me as a Mirror Universe fan, but things are challenging for me as I'm sure you want to say, so I'll take it for you. There you go. Yeah, easy two-pointer, three-pointer. Um, but I loved what they did. Some of the things I'm like, really? they they got to ship that technologically advanced and that big for the Emperor? It looks like the love boat in space. <laughs> John Champion, you're very welcome. Um, so there were aspects of it that I was like, yeah, okay. But there were some aspects of it that were just fantastic. All the, like the Agony Booth cell where there's just like Agony Booths everywhere and people are in them getting zapped. I thought it was really great. And, of course, the reveal. Um about who Lorca was when they were in the Mirror Universe was something that was really something that I enjoyed as a Mirror Universe fan. Another best-kept secret, jokingly, mm-hmm. in Hollywood about whether Lorca was from the Mirror Universe or not. As soon as that rumor started coming out, we were like, ah, I don't know, but fans were right again, and uh, it was done in a, in a great way. One of the things that surprised me going back and re-watching Season 1 of Discovery is seeing all the seeds that were planted... <laughs> in Jason Isaac's performance yep. before the reveal later on down the road. Right. And it's it's subtle. It's like you said. It's another one of those best-kept secrets. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. Because um, I think we figured to some extent that he had to be Mirror Universe um, or just a really, really ca- a bad captain who was terrible at his job. Yeah. Um, you, you, you talked about the seeds that they planted and, and watching them as they happened – doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but as you start getting the idea that maybe it is Mirror Universe, then they play all those seeds and flashbacks was was really something, and you, you see how everything is laid out perfectly. I thought that was another piece of brilliant writing, having all those seeds that were planted. And as I believe Jason has said in interviews, only he and Sonequa and the writers knew that he was from the Mirror Universe throughout the entire filming of everything up until the Mirror Universe episodes, and I think that was very smart of them to do. I agree with that. So you talked about the biggest oblique moment of the season a few moments ago, mm-hmm. and I think we've arrived at that particular time, and I think we're thinking of the same one. Yeah. And they, it kind of gets mixed in with another reveal, because unless until you find out that Ash Tyler is Vogue. Right. Um, the death of Hugh Culber is not nearly as impactful until you realize, oh my God, that just happened. I didn't. Act, and he's I'm, a Klingon. I actually was like, maybe he just knocked him out. I, I literally was thinking that because <laughs> I'm like, that cannot have just happened. That, there's no way that he just got killed like that for nothing, kind of for nothing. It was it was the most shocking moment of of season one. By far for me. I don't think anything came close to that. Well, but in a way, it wasn't for nothing. He was killed because he was the smartest guy in the room. He's the guy who figured out, 
Hey, by the way, you're not human. You're not going to snap my neck, are you? Oh, I because, dream of you this know, every day. Smartest guy in the room. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Great job, Beth. <laughs> Everybody applaud. This is fantastic. The power of sitting behind a microphone pretty is cool. fantastic. Yep. And of course, Dan, we want to take a moment to thank our friends at Fansats. Uh, for sponsoring this week's episode, you know, when we told them we were doing a live panel, they stepped up and they sent us a metric ton of pins. <laughs> and um, I have to say, as we, we've looked at these discovery pins that, we, that we've given out to people in the episode, and they are just gorgeous, like everything else Fansets does. The level of detail in these things is amazing. Um, we'll get to a certain pin in a moment, and I'll bring out a level of detail that I really find interesting. But yeah, we had a whole bunch. We had a ton of Federation characters. We have a ton of Klingon characters and a bunch of ships to give away at the panel. And uh, they're amazing. And I got to say, I'm not just saying this because they're our sponsor and they put out an amazing product. It is such high class. Um, it is, you can tell the love that they put into every one of these pins that they, that they release. And I'm so glad that it, they're doing so well. Them, I love the pins. I've, I'm collecting them. I'm adding new ones all the time. And pretty soon I hope to have all of the pins in the Star Trek collection um, because they're just that good. Well, you know, this is a product that you and I are proud consumers of and were before Fansets ever sponsored, Mm -hmm. you know, Trek Geeks or Discovering Trek. I mean, this is a product that we love. It's a product that we spend our own money to purchase. Mm -hmm. And we're just grateful for the relationship that we've, you know, uh, been fortunate enough to enjoy with everybody at Fansets. They are so fantastic to us. They, I think the thing that separates them, Dan, is that they are Star Trek fans through and through. Oh, absolutely. And I love how when you say fantastic, it kind of makes me think fansettastic. Uh, <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right. You can see the love that they have for Star Trek in all of the products that they have for Star Trek. And the great thing about fansets is it's not just Star Trek that they do. They have all kinds of genres that people can go to their website at fansets.com and take a look at what they have to offer. They have Alien, they have Harry Potter, they have DC, they have all kinds of stuff, not just Star Trek, but of course the Star Trek stuff does hold a special place in our heart. Well, you know, and they've got such a wide variety of Star Trek stuff too. I mean, beyond Discovery, you know, if you want a pin like Queen Arachnia, they have it. Mm -hmm. If you want a pin (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> like the Gorn from the original series, they have it. You know, they've got the the Mirror Universe next-gen pins from the comics. Yes. They have those, mm-hmm. and they are gorgeous. Um, but like you said, it's like everything else that Fansets does. It It is that high quality. It is you know, artwork that is that fantastic, and it's a pin that fans are proud to wear, and I think that that's part of the reason why we love them so much. Odo in a bucket. Odo in a bucket. <laughs> or going into his bucket or coming out of his bucket. One or the other, it doesn't make a difference because it's Odo. It's his bucket. It's awesome. We love it. That is just such a creative pin. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really good. And actually, you know what, Bill, speaking of creative pins. Yeah. um, As we drop this episode, we're coming up close to the middle of the month where fan sets will be releasing their second pin for September. Oh boy. You know, you and I got a chance to hold this new pin of, of Kayla Detmer in her hands. You know, the, the helm officer on the USS discovery, one of those great crew pins that you and I have been talking about so much. And like all the others, it looks fantastic. I'm glad that this is a character that is getting some love, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, it, it's, 
it's a pin that I'm going to be happy to add to my collection. I'm not going to lie. I'm itching to make that order, you know, as soon as I can on the 15th. But um, that pin, like you said, is coming on the 15th. And, and I, I think that the detail in it is what amazes me. And I think that's what you're, you want to talk about. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, as everybody knows, we actually talked about this at some point recently about, about Lieutenant Detmer and the injury that she sustained at some point. We think it was during the Battle of the Binary Stars, but she now has that, that uh, contraption on the side of her head. And in this pin, the detail is so exquisite that her eyes are different colors. And I didn't realize that on the show, her eyes are different colors as a result of the accident. So now as I'm rewatching Discovery, I am focused in on those eyes and they are different colors. And it's a testament to the detail that fans that's put in their pins. Well, but I mean, they put that same detail in the various Burnham pins they've got because they've mm -hmm. got a couple of different ones. Yeah. And Burnham's hairstyles are different because yep. they're different at that point in the show. And that's just the the really fine attention to detail that I love about the fansets product and why I'm a proud consumer of their stuff. It's it's fantastic stuff. And as we said, Detmer will be released in just a few days as this episode drops. It's coming on September 15th. And in the next week or two, we're going to be announcing the pins that are scheduled for release in October. And believe me, you are going to want to add these beauties to your collection, just like all the other pins. But in the meantime, this week, we're going to offer a special 15% discount off your entire order at fansets.com simply by entering the words Trek Geeks Live at checkout, all in capital letters. That's Trek Geeks Live. This code will be available until midnight on Monday, September 17th. So please don't delay. Head right on over to fansets.com and place that order because fansets is pinpoint accuracy. And as always, we thank our friends at fansets for sponsoring this week's episode sponsoring <laughs> <laughs> I can remember sitting there on my sofa watching discovery when, when Hugh Culber was murdered and my wife was, was sitting next to me and I jumped mm -hmm. and she's like, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, they just killed Culber. Yeah. She's like, huh? You mean the guy from 13 reasons why I said, yes. <laughs> um, I was I was stunned to the point where I just uh, I I couldn't focus after that I, I didn't expect that that was going to happen. People were stunned, and after the show aired, people were pissed. There was so much anger on social media that night for killing off Victor Cruz's uh, Victor Cruz's <laughs> Victor Cruz <laughs> Victor Gray Gray Yeah Wilson <laughs> Sorry Victor Cruz Sorry Wilson's character Um and I I was mad. I, I was not happy at all. I was shocked, and it was like, you got to be kidding me. Because it goes back to the whole Giorgio thing. Okay, Giorgio, okay. First episode, boom. We just got started to to see Dr. Culber more and more. We only had seen him a little bit for a couple of episodes, and now we're seeing him. We're seeing the type of person he is and, and what he believes in and, and, and what he thinks is right with being a physician, and then done. That's it. He did what? Done. Done. And yeah. that was it was not it was not something that I was happy with. But that night, Victor <laughs> Wilson, Wilson was on Twitter saying, "Don't worry, there's more to it. We'll get into it more." And he's been teasing uh, before season two. Season one was a chapter in the book of the relationship between Stamets and Culver, and unfortunately, that was a chapter that didn't end to a kind of like Dumbledore. 
I'm going to take your word for that okay. since I'm not really a Harry Potter oh, spoiler guy. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah, okay. thanks for that. Now I can never read Harry Potter <laughs> see the movies. Thanks, Dan. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people were upset that it was the barrier gaze trope. Yeah. And even the producers came out and said, yeah, that's not really what it this is. It could have been anybody. Uh, anybody who was the smartest person in the room, like yeah. you said. It didn't, ha- it didn't happen for a specific reason because, oh, this. And for people to think that that's what happened, I think is just childish and pedantic. I'm amazed that you can use the word pedantic correctly in the context of a sentence. Um, because I think we can all agree that doesn't happen very often on Trek Geeks. No. Um, Dan, we've reached a point in the agenda where we're going to give away more pins. Oh, baby. So, Beth, get ready. Here we go. Okay? You should like be in a ready stance, dun, 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 dun. like on your mark. And so uh, this time, Dan, we're going to give away the shi- the Discovery Ships. 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 With a P set. Uh, painter's tape and all, if it comes to it. Painter's tape and all. That's just so that people can see them. We've got the sarcophagus ship. We've got the USS Shenzhou, or Shenzhou, depending on if you want to say it wrong. Uh, we have the USS Discovery. And even though it's not a ship. Here. Yes, very nice. We have the Star Trek Discovery logo pin that fansets put out, which is absolutely beautiful. So we got four pins, and they're large. They're I think they're two inches in diameter. They're very detailed, and uh, we want to give away some pins from fansets. Fansets.com. We are Star Trek. Wow. Yeah. And worked in an ad right in the middle of describing the pins. That is fantastic. And thanks to Fansets for providing all these pins to give away. We said, hey, we're going to do a live panel. They said, you need pins to give away. We're mm-hmm. sending you some. And we had no idea what they were sending us till we opened the envelope. So, uh, huge thanks to Lou and John and everybody there. So, the trivia question. And again, same rules apply. Please raise your hand. Michelle, you can sit back and go, ha, 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 I know the answer, but I'm not telling anybody. Or, if somebody doesn't know the answer, you're welcome to feed it to them. Because we want to well, give the go. pins away. I like that. So, what ship was Admiral Anderson aboard when it was rammed by the Klingon Cleave ship? Oh, Chris had his hand up quickly on and that one. We know it's Chris because we know Chris. <laughs> uh, Chris, you are a granite stater as we are. Yeah. And what ship was Admiral Anderson aboard? Could be wrong, but I think it was the Europa. That is correct, sir. Wow. He, there you go. Come right on up. Look at that. Fancy sarcophagus yeah, ship yeah, and the nice. Shenzhou Wu and the Discovery and. Star Trek Discovery. and the Discovery. Thank Congratulations. That is wonderful. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Look at that. You came to see a panel and you go home with prizes. The wow. answer was the USS Europa. That's 100% correct. That effect was so cool. I was yes. sad to see that happen because I actually thought that that Admiral was kind of a jerk but kind of cool. And I would have liked to have seen more of him in the show. Um, but we didn't because, you know, he's dead. We get more of him in the tie-in novels from David Mack yes, and do. Dayton Ward, yep. which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And he is just as big a jerk in those as he was <laughs> in the first two episodes of Discovery. I'm just throwing that out Was there. his name Admiral Anderson or Admiral Smith? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, Dan, uh, that was a great joke because everybody laughed. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let's I, look ahead to season two because that's what Beth has been waiting for. <laughs> um so the trailer came out. Has everybody oh, here man. seen the trailer for season two of Discovery? Mm-hmm. Beth? No? no. Oh, we have someone who has not seen no. it. No. Oh, you got to check it out, man. Okay. So we are going to talk about some things. You probably know about some of them, I'm guessing. But if you don't, you can always go like this. La, 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 la. With your fingers in your yes. ears because we are going to get into some of that now. Um, and the first of which is, um, Dan, one of the most prominent things in the new trailer is uh, Captain Christopher Pike. On the Discovery. On the Discovery. Now, uh, that 
let's go. Let's let's take a step back. What for a moment? Let's take a step back and talk the season finale. The last 35, 40 seconds of the season finale. Where, as I have talked about on Discovering Trek and on Trek Geeks, the Discovery is en route somewhere. Was it Vulcan? I think it was Vulcan. Vulcan. And they are getting a distress call, and they start seeing the registry numbers uh, of this ship flash across their screen, and it's NCC-170, and I'm starting to get freaking out, and we hear Captain Pike's name, and then the Enterprise comes into, into view on our screen and ends nose-to-nose with the Discovery. I was jumping up and down in the living room of my sister's house with joy and glee when that happened. It looked gorgeous. I love the look of this Discovery version Enterprise, and of course, Captain Pike's in command of the Enterprise in this time, uh, about 10 years before Kirk and Spock, so we kind of had an idea that we're going to be seeing Captain Pike in season two, and he looks like he's going to play a major role, and it looks like Anson Mount is going to knock it out of the park as Christopher Pike. Well, we started talking about on Trek Geeks, I think it was last week, um, he made a statement that he's just starting to feel comfortable in the role, mm-hmm. which tells me that he's around for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm very psyched about. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that um, it looks like the Enterprise might get the crap kicked out of it in season two of Star Trek Discovery. Was that the Discovery of the Enterprise in those scenes? Uh, that was I the Enterprise, my friend. That's not good. No. Maybe that's why it's going to end up looking different when it's TOS. Well, or even oh. in the cage. You know, yeah. those shots for the menagerie. Right, right. Where you get those uh, those Burger King things I on love, the arm. There. We have had two sure. fast food references uh, today <laughs> during the Trek Geeks podcast. Which is amazing because you and I don't really eat fast food. No. So we do see a damaged Enterprise, but... We know now from the casting announcements, because we haven't seen any footage, that we're going to see Spock in Season 2, and he's going to play a a pivotal role, it seems. Indeed. We talked uh, about whether or not we would see Spock as a young Spock in flashbacks, or whether we would see some kind of digital special effects like we saw in um, uh, Rogue One, where we would have a digitized Leonard Nimoy, Um, but no. Uh, we are going to see Spock. Um, a very amazing announcement took place uh, not too long ago uh, about the uh, casting of, uh, of Spock of Miss... Oh, what's his first name? I know his last name is Peck. I can't remember his first name. Oh, I was going to say, don't tell him. Thank you, Ethan, <laughs> yes. Who is the grandson of the famous actor Gregory Peck. Right, Beth? Um, yep, yep, there you go. Write that down. Um, so, and, and I'll tell you what, looking at pictures of, of Ethan... It's going to be a good fit. He's got the angles of Leonard's, you know, facial structure. Um, I can't. We have not seen him in any way, shape, or form as Spock yet. Just like uh, publicity photos of him as an actor. I think it's going to be really good. And he understands the the importance and maybe even the burden of playing such an iconic character because he tweeted out a picture uh, uh, that someone took of him leaning up against a brick wall somewhere on at a sidewalk on the ground in tears with his phone in his hand because he had just gotten word that he received the role and he was over overwhelmed by it. And I think I think that's just fantastic to see that type of reaction from someone who knows the importance of a character like this. And I think I can't wait to see what he's gonna be like. So generic question for the audience that just came to the top of my head. Was there anybody that was hoping that they would use Zachary Quinto from the Kelvin movies as Spock? Okay. 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 All right. Are you uh, are you disappointed that they didn't? No. Okay, that's good to know. How about you? 
I'm not. I did not want Zachary Quinto as 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 the Spock in this timeline. Why? It's a different Spock. We're used to Zachary Quinto playing a different Spock in the Kelvin timeline. I think it would cause a great deal of confusion for even hardcore fans seeing this guy playing this younger Spock, but in the movies he's playing an older Spock in a different timeline with different things that have happened to him in his life. One of the things I'm looking forward to is seeing Ethan Peck as Spock is this is the young Spock, younger than we saw in the cage where he showed emotion and he smiled when he was grabbing the, the blue plants, is... What are we going to see? Are we going to see even more emotion from him because he hasn't reined it all in yet? Uh, so I think it's I think it's great to have someone new come in to show us these new aspects of Spock that we haven't seen, even though they're old aspects. Am I confusing you yet? You confuse me every time you open your mouth, quite frankly. Um, one of the key parts of this trailer is that we find out that there's some sort of unknown mystery in space. You know, Pike tells us that there are these uh, red... Uh, we'll call them orbs for want of a better thing mm -hmm. that are just appearing in various places and as Burnham says in the voiceover it, it, it's a message a secret made of space and time visible only to those open to receive it we don't really know what it is and this kind of harkens us back to what Star Trek is about mm. exploration of the unknown and I think that that's pretty exciting it is exciting I have no idea what it is in relation to some people online have said, oh, maybe it's the red matter that Spock used when he was trying to uh, save Romulus in Star Trek 2009 at the beginning. And I, I just don't buy that for a second. But then again, we didn't buy some of the things that fans said during season one and they came true. So I guess, I guess we'll see. But it is mysterious and it is what the root of Star Trek was created for way back 52 years ago yesterday. 52 years ago yesterday. Happy Star Trek Day, everybody. Yay! Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh -huh. um, we didn't even ask for applause. For I know, that, that was pretty great. Nice. Um, one of the key things that, that also gets revealed in the trailer is Burnham appears to mount a rescue of Spock. Yes. Spock appears to be in trouble or in danger. Uh, I'm going to guess that a good chunk of the Enterprise crew is in danger because there was a distress call at the end of Season 1. And she decides that she's got to go looking for him. Yes. And I'm wondering what that's all about. I, we're just going to see more of her in the Evo, Evo suits, EVAC suits, suits, <laughs> the suits. The, the, the what? The suits. The suits. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's because Sarek is aboard. We know that Sarek and Spock have not been not very close or not spoken in some time. We don't know if it's because of the events of this or if it's something that happened previously. I'll have to go back and watch um, the episode with Sarek and TOS because they gave an exact breakdown of the number of years. And if I remember correctly, the number of years was more than what the timeline indicates they're in right now. I think it was more than 10 years. It was, it was, wow, look at that. Michelle <laughs> pulling out the numbers. Thank you very much. Wow. So, yeah, so um, if that holds true then they should not be talking during the season. Do you want to be the co-host of Trek Geeks? Because there is going to be an opening after this. <laughs> um, you, you said something about the crew that I want to talk about very quickly. Yep. And one of the things I am most looking forward to with season two, and that is Rebecca Romaine as number one. When that announcement was made that she will take the iconic role of number one that was originally played by Majel, in this season two of Discovery... We haven't seen her in uniform. The only thing we've seen is her holding the Enterprise Delta in her hand when the announcement was made. And 
I'm a big fan of hers. I loved her in the X-Men movies, and I can't wait to see what she brings to this character because we haven't really seen much of this character other than the cage and Menagerie. There's been some books, and they open up a lot of insight into the character, but the books aren't official canon, but who knows what we'll see. That's something I'm looking forward to. The women! Sorry, I had to do that. (laughs) A little cage moment there. Thank you, everybody. Oh, very nicely done. Beth, try to contain yourself. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so you mentioned the crew. You mentioned uh, number one, who I'm just going to refer to as Commander Una because that's who she is Una. in the books. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that uh, some fans tend to love and some fans tend to hate. They're definitely a riff on the Discovery uniforms with the sort of half collar. Yep. Um, when you first saw Pike step off the transporter pad in his Command Gold tunic, what did you think? Loved it. Boom. That's it. Loved it. I think what they do with the subtle things with what we've seen in Discovery is a is a great thing. And remember, the people that are writing this stuff and the people that are designing things, they're Trek fans. They know that we are going to dissect every single tiny detail. And they have a plan of what they're going to do. They've said they have a plan, and I trust that they have a plan. So when they show these uniforms that are a little different than what we're used to, but we do see the regular Enterprise Delta, we know that it's going to somehow, whether we see it this season or in another season, we're going to see it morph into what we saw in the cage. And then that's going to morph into what we saw in TOS when they came out with the regular gold, blue, and, and red tunics. Um, I like what they've done. I like what we're seeing so far. Uh, and I can't wait for more trailers and for season two so that we can actually see it for real. So, Let me devil's advocate for a second. Let's say they don't morph it into what we see in TOS or even the cage. Because already it's different from the cage because we see the color red. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they don't morph it? Are you okay with that? I think I'm okay with that because just because they don't morph it on screen doesn't mean that it doesn't morph because it does. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they are able to to do it if they do it. But I just keep going back to what I've what I've heard in interviews is that they they have a plan. It's a long term plan, um, and unless it's Enterprise and get canceled after four seasons, I have an idea. It's kind of be like Lost. They had this whole series written out, the full amount of seasons, before they even started filming. I kind of have an idea that they're doing the same thing with Discovery. They have this full idea, now maybe not specific episodes and what this is going to happen in this episode and this is going to happen, but the ideas of the things of continuity, I think they have in their in their minds stretched out over a long period of time. So I think we'll see it. I'm of the mindset where I, I almost don't want them to morph it because the entire series has been a visual refresh. You know, uh, to me, it almost doesn't make sense for them to back up 52 years, you know, at some point at the end of this series or however many years it winds up being and say, oh, we got to make this look like the cage now. I just uh, I don't care if they do because it's been that fun to watch. I don't care if they do. I would be I would be happy if they did. But if they don't, it's not going to be I'm not going to be on Twitter screaming and yelling if they don't. And I'm not going to be on Twitter screaming and yelling if they do. And if they do it wrong, which I don't think they would. But I'm, I'm of the mindset that I would like to see it. Is it a must-have? Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that answers that question. Okay. Is there anything else in Season 2 that you're looking forward to greatly? I think the Culber aspect is okay. something that I'm really looking forward to, which we talked about a little bit. 
and uh, I this is this is something that I hope to see happen, but it it harkens back to what you just said about if they don't do it, it's okay. I would love this season if the times come up right, which I don't know if they will. I got to do some math in my head, and we all know the math is hard. I want to see Pike leaving this season on his way to the planet Rigel. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what planet. Where the whole issue that he had with the cage and then finally wanting to step down as captain took place where he lost so many of his crew that we saw depicted in the cage and the menagerie. I'd like to see something like that. It's a very small detail, but I think that would be kind of cool. People would be like, ah, this is where he's headed off to that planet where all the trouble starts. We know we're going to see him in Discovery for a while because also in the trailer we see him in the Discovery Blues. We do. So at some point he puts on that uniform because he's taking command of Discovery. Mm -hmm. I like that continuity. Um, although I still kind of want to see the gold more. That's yeah. just me. That's <laughs> and what's me. interesting, you bring that up, he's wearing the Discovery Blues. This is something that one of the books talks about because people are like, those Discovery uniforms aren't real Starfleet uniforms. Well, they are for that class of Discovery of the Starship. Different Starships have different uniforms, apparently, based on the books. So it'll be kind of cool. It is cool to see him in those because we have seen him. Well, Dan, we're going to give away the final set of Fansets pins. So Beth has one more chance Beth. to score some amazing pins. It's an easy one, too. And this is the Starfleet crew set. So do you want to run down the, I don't know, the oh boy. six pins, I think, that were right. there? We have Sarah Mitch's character. At, er, 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 <laughs> I always want to say Axima, but I know that's not right. Arium? Arium, thank you. Dr. Culber and his medical whites, which is gorgeous. Michael Burnham, uh, and it looks like she has her first officer out. Commander Burnham. Commander Burnham, so it's before all the trouble. Tilly, very cool Tilly pin, love Tilly. First officer Saru, and if you go to fansets.com, they also offer a science science officer Saru from when he was on board the Shenzo, which is very cool. And the dead Philippa Giorgio, but she's not dead in the pin, so she doesn't have the batlet sticking out of her chest. <laughs> but it is uh, Philippa Giorgio. So, yes, a great group of Federation USS Discovery and Shenzhou pins ready for the giving, taking. <laughs> when you sell it like that, she's not dead on a pin. I think that's how fansets should put it on the website. I have an idea for Lou and fansets. Yeah. A Giorgio pin with the batlet sticking out of her chest. That would I think be, that would be beautiful. I'm sure CBS will get right on board with that. <laughs> so, okay. So, Michelle and Chris... You're kind of accepted from answering this question, so we're sorry, but congratulations. That means Beth could really get this one. Here we go. So trivia question number three. And again, if you raise your hand, Dan will figure out which one of the dozens of people in the room can answer it. Uh, What alien species is Commander Saru? Beth! That is Help correct. me in. Oh, my God. Beth got a question. <laughs> Great job, Beth. Come sc- <laughs> you shouldn't give them to Scott because, oh. you know, he's just going to do horrible things. There you go. And you can hear the plastic. They're still in their plastic still coating. Brand Casing. new mint on card, um, as we like to say. Um, I know. I'm sorry. I kind of thought that afterwards. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, Scott. Uh, we'll get you something. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get you a consolation prize. Maybe a lovely parting gift. Oh, yeah, some, the, some blue the, painter's the tape. The blue painter's tape that we're holding the pins up. Used, gently. Um, so, as we look beyond Discovery, because there have been a lot of announcements made. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Beyond, beyond Discovery. Yeah. There have been a lot of announcements made in the last month or so regarding other Star Trek. Um, so, uh, as we ask the people in the room here... How many of you are excited about the return of Patrick Stewart to Star Trek? 
Okay. Almost, almost everybody. Almost everybody, yeah. Um, one, we got two hands from one person, so that's a big yes. Yeah, that's a, yeah. a double yes. Um, for those of you who are excited, what do you hope the series with Jean-Luc Picard is about? Feel free to, sh- to, to, to say. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I'll take the, the ugly guy sitting next to me. Jean-Luc Picard? Thank you. Anybody else? <laughs> Any hopes for the, the Picard series? Chris? Uh, I kind of hope to see him more in his kind of future ambassadorial role. Okay. Okay. Being more of a problem solver going from place to place. Mm-hmm. Maybe a young team of assistants who maybe do a lot of the day-to-day stuff, the action. And, you know, he's there to kind of guide and bring along the next generation. That or a Starfleet Academy thing where he's teaching the cadets. That could be cool. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Okay. I'm going to say I hope for some hybrid of that. You know, because he said he, in Vegas, when we were in the oh room. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, I'm here to tell you the room actually shook. Yeah. I mean, so let me set the stage. William Shatner had just been on stage, and it was announced that Alex Kurtzman, the executive producer of Discovery, was going to come out and make an announcement at 1.30. At that time, half of the room left because Alex Kurtzman is not a popular figure with some people. And nobody knew that Patrick Stewart was there. They snuck nobody. him into the Rio. He wasn't on the guest list. Nope. He, he wasn't spotted around the hotel. So they brought him in like Elvis mm-hmm. at, at the Continental through the kitchen, I think, and had him backstage. So the point where Alex Kurtzman says, let me bring out a friend of mine to announce the new Star Trek series, the doors open and the room erupted. Is that fair? It was probably the largest eruption of, of cheering in that facility that I have ever heard. And I've only been there for a few of them. Yeah. But it was, it was deafening. But it wasn't the biggest. <laughs> no, the, the biggest, uh, you know, response from the crowd is when he said Jean-Luc Picard is back. The place went berserk. There were adults crying. Uh, included. It, included. Both of us. And it was really unlike anything I've ever seen before. Because CBS doesn't normally make those announcements before the home crowd. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, so, they want the big media splash at like San Diego Comic Con. Right. Not necessarily the biggest Star Trek convention in the world, Vegas. Yeah. So and in addition to that, we're also going to get something called Short Treks, which is a series of four shorts. They're going to be released monthly mm-hmm. um, that feature characters that aren't regulars on Star Trek, which I thought was interesting. Yes. Um, we know that there's... Uh, well, we don't know, but there are rumors that there is going to be a, an episode... Focus specifically on Tilly, which would be great. Um, I think there may be one on Saru. Possibly. Possibly. It may explore a facet of Saru's life. Yes. Like, maybe this is where we're going to see the hunter species. Who knows? I I have no inside information. We know we're going to get Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd, yeah. And anybody else? Uh, I, know, I think Rain Wilson is also going to direct that short track. Oh, what I've heard. I did not know. See, yeah. this guy's got the information. I didn't know that. I'm good. He doesn't share anything with me. Um, so I, I think short tracks is interesting. It'll be kind of curious to see what they do with it because uh, I, I look at it as almost in the Marvel way of them starting to build out this universe yes. concurrently with yes. other things. Back to Picard for a second. One of the things that I'm looking forward to but very trepidatiously Oh. No. Not a word? No. All right, we'll look it up later. Is for decades now, people have been complaining that they want Star Trek to be taking place after Voyager or after Nemesis because retcon and Enterprise was in the past and Discovery's in the past. Now we're going to get a series that's taking place post-Nemesis 
20 years after Nemesis, so it's in the right time frame of, of Patrick Stewart's age and so forth. I like this idea because it opens up a vast opportunity to bring back characters as guests like like Riker or Janeway or... Uh, Neelix, and, and, your favorite. And Neelix, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> any of these characters that we're familiar with on Deep Space Nine and Voyager and TNG can come back. I don't want them to overdo it because then it's just going to be fan service and I don't necessarily want that. But if the story's right... I'd love to see some of these characters come back because, as we know, Picard is a very different man from what Patrick Stewart told us. He's not a captain anymore. There's been things that have happened in his life. So it could be a dark Picard. It could be a Academy Picard. It could be an Ambassador Picard, like Chris mentioned. Who knows? But it opens up a whole array of various uh, stories that I'd love to see some callbacks to the characters that we love so much at some point. Dan, you know what else o- opens up a wide array of stories? I have a feeling. Listening to a five-year mission album. Oh. And we have to thank them for being every ounce of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast. Uh, you actually have your copy of Year 4 right here. I do. Uh, we were listening to it on the way here. It is a fantastic album. We want everyone, all the dozens in the room, to go on out to fiveyearmission.net. Score yourself some tunes because you're going to become as big a fan as we are. This is not parody. It is original songs written yep. uh, to examine each of the episodes of the original series. And it's it's top shelf stuff. It is fantastic stuff. Another thing that's fantastic, Bill, are the episodes that come out of Five Year Mission because they're good. Now, I know, Bill, oh you, you don't like this two-parter very much. I know that for a fact. Oh um, but, but this version that I found is really, really pretty good. The crew of the Enterprise D actually goes back in time to Earth to stop aliens from stealing the life forces of musicians in Earth's past. You know which one I'm talking about. Um, you know, along the way... They are helped by a very famous songwriter. And one of the best quotes of the episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the quote right now. If oh, I, I can't, I can't yeah. wait. Okay, here we go. Neither can everybody in the audience. Yes, yes. Eavesdropping is, excuse me, eavesdrumming is by no means a proper activity for a gentleman. Nonetheless, the deed is done. Wonderful cameo in Time's Arrow by Mr. Fark Twain. I think that you'll appreciate it. Rewatching the Bill. Hello? Bill. Pain! <laughs> Those of you who are in the audience and are not familiar with the Trek Geeks podcast may just want to listen to past episodes for these brilliant Farkisms, as we like to call them, on a weekly basis. FiveYearMission.net. Check it out. Buy their albums. Listen to some good music. And then come back for some good Farkisms here on the trip. When exactly do the good Farkisms start? Because it's been three years, <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Dan, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at the thetricordertransmissions.com. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CO, please visit our good friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been a special episode of the Trek Geeks podcast live at Granite State Comic Con with the dozens. Thank you, everybody, for coming to the <laughs> And until next time, we do hope you all live long and prosper. I gotta tell you what, what? next year, I am totally going to the New Hampshire Greatest State, Grand State Coconut Con. <laughs> do you think <laughs> you can say it right next time? A bit of a voice message. Has a voice message. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. 
is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! Bing bong right in front of your face. (laughs) This is very disconcerting. We're sitting here in an empty room um, (laughs) with microphones and fansets pins and laptops here at uh, Granite State Comic Con. (laughs) And we're getting ready to do our first ever live recording. I don't disagree. You probably need to speak up a little louder. I don't disagree. For once. Jerk. You ready for this? I'm ready. This is good. This is going to be good. It's going to be awesome. We have to... Everybody here at Granite Granite State Comic Con has been fantastic. There was a bit of a snafu with us not being in the printed program for Mm -hmm. the event. Mm -hmm. We were on the website. Yep. We have been hitting it on social media. I mean... Doug Jones was amazing and retweeted about our panel. Because Doug Jones is amazing. Because Doug Jones is amazing. Yes. Oh, my God. Meeting him yesterday was so awesome. It was very awesome. Should we tell the Sam story? The Sam story. When we when we went to get his... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> tell the Sam story. <laughs> All right. So, Sam Bartholomeos and Sarah uh, Midich and Damon Runyon... Mm-hmm. We're all at a table. Sounds like Funyun. Funyun, yeah. 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 Um, and if it's the hot and spicy kind, it would be the hot and spicy Funyun. Mon- Runyun. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we go to get uh, Bill's poster signed by these wonderful cast members. And Sam is the first one. And as Bill is paying for... Well, let me back up a step. Of course, we know that Sam's character... Uh, Danby Connor, yeah, gets killed pretty quick in the in the beginning of Discovery. Yeah, and, and then, then then shows up in the Mirror Universe only to get killed, killed again. again pretty quick uh, in the Mirror Universe. Both times uh, based on the actions of Michael Burnham. Yeah, in nice, a way, nice job, girl. Um, so anyway, so we're uh, there to meet them. They all look great. They're all all smiling, and Bill's paying for the for the autographs. And I go, Bill. You better hurry up. Sam's been here only five minutes. He's probably going to be dead in a minute or two. And everybody just started cracking up. It was awesome. Except Sam. Sam, was, uh, he, he did give me the uh, dagger eyes of death. No, he didn't. He was pretty awesome about it. Yeah, no, it was a, they were so great to meet. And then they talked to us for oh, yeah. God, at least 10 minutes after. It was great. It was awesome. And, and Sarah wanted to know all about, you know, our, our podcast mm-hmm. and all that stuff and whether we were local. Of course, we are. We, we truly, we only live about 15, 20 minutes from here. I think it's more on the 15-minute side. Very close. The way you drive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot of squirrels. A lot, a lot of squirrels. What is with the squirrels in New Hampshire dead on the road this year? It's a global climate change type thing. Oh. It's been warmer. There's less food for them, so now they're having to venture out and find food. And unfortunately, it means crossing roads. This is fantastic. It's the Audubon Society portion of the Trek Geeks podcast. It's pretty good. And see, they eat a lot of nuts, but maybe if they switch to coconuts, they would uh, have a better uh, time getting food for the winter. I don't wish that on anybody. Okay. I wish it on you. Yeah. Because I don't like you. Well, anyway. So, we could potentially have one person in the room. Possibly. We could potentially have 50 people in the room. Maybe. It's a smaller room. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, it's it's intimate. It's good for podcast recording. Get your hand off me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's good for podcast recording. It is very good. Um, and... Whether it's one person or 50, I think we're going to have fun. That's really what matters. If it's one person, they're going to walk away with a metric ton of fan sets. A lot of pins. we got a lot of pins to give away. We have like 20 pins, 15, 20 pins there? I I don't count. Math is hard. 
Math is hard. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. And this this con is pretty cool. Like I said yesterday in the panel that I was on, I've never really been to a non-Star Trek convention. So this one's, like, all-encompassing everything. And the cosplay here is freaking awesome. Yeah. What are you cosplaying as today? I'm going as somebody that pretends to like you. <laughs> well, you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. No, uh, we've seen everything from, you know, a, a variety of Harley Quinns and Deadpools to some, some. Uh, we saw a life-size Pikachu. I got one for you that yeah. I don't know if you noticed yesterday. As yeah. people who have had the pleasure of talking to Andy Robinson here on the podcast. Mm. There was somebody yesterday cosplaying as Frank from Hellraiser. Oh, my God. The guy who, like, just, like, his body's all, like, decomposed and everything like that. And he was holding the the, the Hellraiser box uh, in his hand. He was walking around wearing a nice Italian suit. That was pretty cool. Are you sure they went going as Dan Davidson? I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Oh, so... <laughs> Doug Jones, oh. getting back to that for a second, yeah. probably one of the nicest human beings on the planet. I, this is not an exaggeration. If you ever get the opportunity to meet Doug Jones, take advantage of it and get the selfie. I mean, he hugs every fan that gets a selfie with him. He hugs every fan that gets an autograph. He gets up from the table. Yeah, yeah, he really <laughs> does. He's he's so genuinely kind yeah. that I'm... I'm so psyched that somebody like that is a part of Star Trek. Me too. The thing that's funny, you said that he's one of the nicest human beings on the planet, but he never plays one. A human being, yeah. <laughs> I know. Was, yeah, he was cool. That's ironic, Alanis Morissette. And he recognized me. He said, hey, it's good to see you again. I'm well, like, wow. Well, it probably helped that you had a photo with I'm him. A, and I'm a stalker. Well, one or the other, I'm not really sure. Is that probably helped that you had a photo with him that you had taken to Star Trek Las Vegas last month? Well, he didn't see it before he said that. You had it, like, right there. No, no, you don't, you're mistaken. No, I'm not. You, you don't even know what you're talking about. Look at you, a nerd boner. What do you know? <laughs> wow, okay. Hey, we're PG-13. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. You can say that on the podcast. If the nerd, nerd, I can bleep it out. That's true. Boner. Hi, come on in. We got a podcast starting. <laughs> Hey, hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. We got our first guest walking in right now. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. We do. Yes. We do have the mic running right now. Just so you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we were just. We, we do a, a little bit of just casual conversation before we ever do a podcast, and we yeah. incorporate it as an outtake. So, sure. Sure. so you've walked into actual recording. Just so under New Hampshire law, I've disclosed it to you. Okay. Great. There you go. Great. Yeah. I'm also uh, not New Hampshire law, but just general law. This guy. You're really not going to like him. I'm pointing to Bill. I am pointing thank to you. you. Yes. Thank you. Thank yeah. um, so, you. Okay. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you are? My name's Jay. Hey, Jay. Hi, Jay. I'm Bill. Bill and Dan. Dan. Yeah. I'm part of Camp Kimberly. Excellent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Camp right. is awesome. the room. <laughs> I was like, God, that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> it's weird because, you know, when you have these things on social media, you never really expect that you're going to encounter people in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of cool when it happens. Yep. It's so, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. I took a writer from Connecticut. Just, nice. Just for the panel. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you. Well, oh, man. Now there's pressure. Wow. And now you're going to be in the outtake. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And your name isn't even in it, so everybody's going to know you. That's you're going to be famous on Camp Kittimer. Everybody say hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi. Hi. hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. I admit, I really enjoyed uh, last week, uh, The Visitor. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank Very you. Cool. It was one that we wanted to do for a long, long time, and we weren't quite sure when was the right time to do it. Because, I mean, when you have an episode that's that serious and that Powerful. impactful, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, we, we don't always do serious and impactful because we like to give each other a bunch of crap. 
Yep. And when we do it, we kind of have to strategically place it. Like, all right, we you know want to do something heavy and serious here. We can't really do a whole lot of yucks around it. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was glad that we finally took the opportunity to do it because it's just an episode that means so much to to me. I know, and I know it is to you. Sort of like how they placed it in season four. When you think about it, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, right at the beginning, which was good. See, I'm not just a color man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed that you're even here because the Patriots play today. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At one, I know it's the kickoff of the '98 season of the National Football League. Uh, it is. Yeah. If you want, it, since we're doing the outtake and we like to joke around, you want to talk about the pants that we saw at Dunkin' Donuts this morning? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. So we walk into Dunkin' Donuts. So we're going to talk about that. I throw things all over <laughs> to uh, to get coffee on the way here. And uh, it's the one that's like maybe ten minutes from mm-hmm. our neighborhood. He lives now like seven minutes away from me. And uh, we walk in. There's this guy in full Steeler regalia. Sorry. I mean, like he's wearing these pants that are just loud and they're black. Awful. And, and, and gold, and, and they were awful. He walks by, he's holding a, a cup that has Patriots logo, and he goes, I can't believe they serve us coffee in these these ugly cups. I said, I can't believe you're wearing those ugly pants. <laughs> <laughs> then we get out of there. And then we left. <laughs> because we know how Steelers fans are. No, I, we kids, I'm just kidding. We kid, wow. we kid. Yes. Last, uh, last Christmas, my wife and I went to Mexico for vacation. Mm. So I was wearing my Brady shirt. Nice. And I was in Denver airport. And some guy walked to me and said, you're in Broncos territory now. <laughs> and he was very angry. That, that happens. That's oh, so, so, so we're in loser territory? <laughs> oh, sorry, Lou. Get it? Loser. Lou? Lou. Fansets? We love you guys. We love fansets. <laughs> we're going to get in trouble for that one. You're going to get in trouble. I didn't say a thing. Hey, you didn't hit the pause button. No, I, it's live. <laughs> This is the perils of live podcasting. Well, then you got to deal with what gets dished to you, son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to do it. Let's uh, go. 